Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We're taking a break from the book of Romans just for today. We're going to do a one-off message. And so I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. It's all the way back toward the beginning. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. There it is. Joshua chapter 3. And uh, we're going to talk about legacy a little bit today. We're going to talk about what that involves. So we'll have quite the conversation about it. But Joshua chapter 3, if you get it, and when you get it, I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you're new here, you just need to know this. We won't be going up down the whole morning. Uh, But when we read our primary text, we always stand. And uh, we just do it. It's just our thing. It's our tradition. Because it reminds us that this is God speaking right here, right now to us. This is Joshua chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 5, and so I'll follow along as I read. It says, Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, because tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out, and they went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, Today... I'll begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They'll know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Verse 8, give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. And so Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites ahead of you. Verse 11, look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, And as soon as their feet touch the waters, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you're speaking to a group of people who have gathered in Bloomington, Minnesota this morning. God, thank you for that. We thank you for your word, that you would speak, that you would care to us. God, we've come to worship you this morning, but now we also want to hear. And so, Father, we're asking this question. What are you saying? What are you saying this morning? And I'm praying that you're speaking very clearly, very specifically, God, give us ears to hear and do this all to glorify your own name. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. And so I said we're taking a one-off and we're talking about legacy. And the question kind of this morning is, what what, what is a legacy? What is that? And we're going to look into that. And just so you know, FYI, this isn't isn't just for fathers. This isn't just for men. This This is for all of us. What is a legacy? I think we want to ask that question, but we want to ask the second level question too, and we'll get to this, and that is, how do I leave a legacy? Because I think that's the, that's the important thing, not just what's a legacy. How would I possibly leave a legacy? So I'm going to give you a little background on our story this morning, just because historically it helps me if you're, if you're historically oriented and you think that way. We know that God called Abraham. Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac then had 12 sons. Uh, Abraham had Jacob. Jacob had, Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. And so uh, they were all living in the land. They were living in Canaan. And we know that the 11 brothers beat their one brother, Joseph. They beat him up. They threw him in a pit and they sold him into slavery. And he, they saw a caravan going by and they sold their brother to this caravan that was headed to Egypt. And they go on down to Egypt and they sell their brother uh, into Potiphar's house as a slave. 
And so one event leads to another. He eventually gets thrown into prison. One event leads to another again. And eventually, believe it or not, that son, Joseph, who was sold by his brothers, becomes the second, we're told in the scripture, he's the second most powerful man in all of Egypt behind only Pharaoh himself. Well, now there's a famine in the land. And so Joseph is, is, is acting to save his brothers. He gets reintroduced to his brothers. They all assumed he was dead. A little bit of an awkward moment. They, they reunite with their brother. And now his, their brother, Joseph, sends for the family that's back up in Canaan and brings them all down into Egypt. And because of that, they're all saved from the famine. The problem is now these, these sons of Jacob, these sons of Israel, begin to multiply, 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 multiply. And the Egyptians are very threatened by them. And the Egyptians say, man, we gotta do something about this. And Pharaoh says, this is what we'll do. We'll make them our slaves. And so they enslave these Israelites. They become their slaves for 400 years. And eventually God raises up a leader. His name is Moses. Some of you know this story. And so Moses eventually convinces Pharaoh and they let the people go and they head out. They cross the Red Sea. They go to Mount Sinai. They're they're supposed to enter into the promised land. The problem is they didn't enter in the promised land because God had told them, I've already given you this land, but they were too afraid and they didn't trust in God. And so God punishes them. and He says, for that, because of that, you're gonna wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And so for 40 years, they wander the wilderness and now, it's time for them to enter the land again. Now they're coming toward Jericho, the city of Jericho. So what they do is they send two spies to check out the land and to check out Jericho and to see what's going on in Jericho. And the spies have an interesting meeting with a woman named Rahab. Rahab is a prostitute. And she makes a deal with them. I'll help you. You gotta spare my family. And they say, okay. And so now the spies have had their meeting and now they're taking off. And it brings us to our text in Joshua chapter two. It says, now the two spies came down from the hill country and they crossed the Jordan River. I just want you to remember that. Because we read that and we go, right on, they crossed the Jordan River, no big deal. They crossed the Jordan River and they reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. And this is kind of their report. They say, in the morning, Joshua said to the priest, "Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, let me just figure out the buttons for a minute. It says, uh, the Lord, this is their report. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified at us. They're they're thrilled. They know they're going to win. They they know they're going into the land. Now, here's the deal. They know there are going to be battles. They know they've got more issues ahead of them. Uh, They know that there are giants living in the land. But they're super, super excited. And so then it says, three days later, The Israelite officers went through the camp giving the instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests, the priests, and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, remember, some of you know this, the covenant of this box that they built, and they put some things in there. Most significantly, they put the tablets, the Ten Commandments that Moses received, they put them in this box. But even more significant than that, the the Ark of the Covenant represents the very presence of God. I mean, when they see the Ark, they think presence of God. No one's allowed to touch it. There's an instance in the scripture where it was falling and somebody grabbed it. They were were instantly killed. Like it's the presence of God, it's the holiness of God, that this ark is a big deal. And he says, when you see the Levitical priests carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. In other words, follow the ark. You're gonna follow after what is God. We're, we're, We're gonna follow, God is gonna lead the way. And then it says, in the morning Joshua said to the priests, lift up the ark of the covenant and lead the people. The ark is leading the people across the river. And so they started out and they went ahead of all the people. 
And then God is speaking to Joshua now. And this is what God says to Joshua. He says, give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, when you get to the river, when you reach that, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Question, why? Why is it important that they step into the river? River's not that big a deal. We've already seen the spies have crossed the river. Here's what's a big deal when you get to verse 15. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Now this would be the harvest right after the rain season. It's the early harvest. It's right after the rain season. You can imagine. They estimate that the, that the Jordan River would have almost doubled and almost tripled in width. So now they're expecting that the Jordan River is about 100 feet wide. Now if you're like me, and you pray that you aren't, but if you're like me, when I think of the Jordan River and it's expanded like that, I just always think of a wider river. I just think that it's wider. But what the experts tell us is that not only was it wider, it was 100 feet wide, but it was probably about 20 feet deep. And it's this rushing, gorging set of rapids. Now remember this, they're gonna cross this river. And we read about that, that the two spies, the two spies just crossed the river, no big deal. That wasn't a big deal. But think about this, those are two young, healthy males. These guys are, they're in good shape. Right, they're, they're robust, that, that's who crossed the river. Now you're talking about the whole nation of Israel crossing the Jordan River. Probably what experts say is about two million people, men, women, and children of all ages. You got a two-year-old, you gotta get them across. You got a parent or a grandparent and they're 80 years old, you gotta get them across. Two million people, men, women, and children of all ages. Plus, oh wait, wait, all your possessions that you've been traveling with for 40 years. Here's another one, livestock. They've got animals. They gotta get them all across this river, the river that's at harvest season, that's at least 100 feet wide, that's probably 20 feet deep. And then it says this, but, this is my favorite word in all, uh, in all of the scripture. Because something terrible has happened, like the river is, is 100 feet wide, it's 20 feet deep, but, right, it says this, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark of the, Co- uh, the Ark of the Covenant, when it touched the water at the river's edge. In other words, when they stepped, when they moved, when they were willing to take a step, and by faith, they just let out there, and they, they set it up there. As soon as that touched, right, as soon as that touched, then it says the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. Like as soon as they stepped foot in it, the raging river, 100 feet wide, 20 feet deep, it, it just started backing up. Like the river did a moonwalk, it just backed up. And further then, it says this. It says, and the water that was below that point, it flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over the, Jericho, over the J- River Jordan. They crossed over toward Jericho. And it was no big deal. Like, this is this amazing river. It's 100 feet wide. It's 20 feet deep. 2 million people. And it just says that they all crossed over. Now, here's what we know. We know the experts always try to give us a vision of what that might have looked like. Look, nobody was there. We know that nobody was there. But scholars give us a pretty good picture. They have a pretty good understanding of what that probably looked like. They have a good feel for it. I mean, maybe, maybe it was something like that. They're scholars, they're biblical scholars, maybe it looked like that. But we know this, the people would have been celebrating like crazy. Just think about it, two million of us just crossed the river. Like, do you think about the impression that that would have left on your head? Can you, can you imagine what you'd have been thinking when you crossed the river? Like, 
That would have been an event. We got all these young people. We got all these old people. Everybody's crossed the river. And then it says this, that when all the people crossed the river, Jordan, like, wait, aren't we done? Isn't the movie over? Didn't the most awesome thing happen? Isn't this what God is trying to tell us? I can part the Jordan River. Isn't that what God's trying to say? It says, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord says to Joshua, now choose 12 men. Now choose, and I read this and I'm always thinking, what's the point? I mean, the greatest thing possible has already happened. What's the, what would be the point? Like, this is the end of the story. He says, when all the people across the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe, and tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan, and carry those stones out, and pile them up at the place where you'll camp tonight. And if you've ever read this story, and certainly I've read it before, I read that, and I always think, pile them up, pile of stones pile of stones. That's, that's all you're looking for. It's just a pile of stones. But it wasn't just really a heap of stones. I mean, I think this is a little challenging for us because we just think pile them up. But it, it wasn't really just like a heap. It's not really a mound of stones. There's a place in Aruba. It's called the Wish Garden. Thank you, Carmen. It's called the Wish Garden. And this is what they do in Aruba is they'll go to the wish garden, and the first thing you start doing is you look for a flat spot. You look for a place where these people make wishes in in room, and then they'll stack these rocks up, right? And you'll look for a flat piece of land, and then they'll look for rocks that are kind of stackable. And sometimes I think we think that what happened was when they got out of Jericho that they just grabbed these stones and they just heaped them up. And the reality is they would have stacked them up and they would have looked something like this. They would have looked something like this. And that becomes significant. He says, your children are gonna ask you what's going on here. Like, think about this. If you're walking along and all of a sudden you you see this pile of rocks, not a heap of rocks, I'm like a pile of rocks, and you go, and you say to your father, Pop, what's with the rocks? And he says, when your children ask you, then you can tell them, oh, these, these remind us. See, these point us back to something. They make us recall something. They make us think of something. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the ark of the Lord's covenant went across, when God went before us. And these stones, they serve as a memorial. They make us remember. They call things to mind among the people of Israel forever. And more importantly, he goes on, he says, they did this so that all the nations of the earth might know. They stacked these rocks up. They made this stack of rocks, this unique stack that would cause everybody to stop and go, what's up with the rocks? And the reason that they did it is so that people all over the earth would know that the Lord's hand is powerful. See, these point us to that. When they saw those rocks, they went, oh, snap, that's right. The Lord's hand is powerful. That's right. And it would remind them that. They would remember. They would think of the power of God. And also, so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Now, if you're newer to church, and P.S., if you're newer to church, I love the fact that you come to church and check it out. I think it's awesome. You're always welcome here. Ask questions. I think you should do that. But if you're newer to church, sometimes we hear this phrase, we go, fear the Lord. We're like, that's weird. Why should we be afraid? This fear is not like cower and run away from. This fear the Lord is to say this. 
God is to be, God is to be revered. Our God is awesome. Our God is all-powerful. It's a healthy fear. It's a good fear. And the reason that they stacked these rocks and, and piled them up and put them in this unique pile is to remind everybody that our God is all-powerful and to remind people to fear the Lord. See, these rocks serve as a reminder. These rocks are a legacy. These rocks serve as a legacy. Because when you see these rocks, you look back and you remember something and it calls your mind to something. It was very intentional, it was very specific. And we asked this question right at the very beginning, what is a legacy? And really, to make this really simple, a legacy is something that is passed on. Now, if you get on the internet and you start reading about legacy, most often you'll hear about money. The legacy is money. The money gets left. I just read a recent story before she died, Queen, Queen Elizabeth has, was divvying up her money. And the people were kind of upset because they found out later that she actually left Harry more cash than she left William, and they thought that's inappropriate because William is the oldest. And the queen knew what was going on. She left William a property. That estate is worth a billion dollars. Now listen, if my father wants to leave me a billion dollars, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Pop, if you're at home and you're watching, I'm okay with that. So. But we usually think of legacy as money. So oftentimes legacy comes up and it's money. And it's all about money. We think, man, I hope my folks leave me some money. I hope somebody leaves me some money. Let me tell you something. Man, there are so many things greater than money that are legacy. There's so many things. I'll tell you, at our house, this is what my father passed on. I always think, we were talking about this not too long ago. We talked about three things that, three things you, you think your parents passed on to you. This is what Jack Rich passed on. Get up and go to work. That's what we know at our house. Older sister, older brother. I said, you know what we do? We get up every day and we go to work. We had paper routes when we were little kids. We started working in restaurants around the age of 13. We go to work. My sister just retired. She goes to work. My brother worked in law enforcement for about 30 years. He retired from the state. Now he goes to work. That's what we do at our house. Jack Rich, that's what he passed on. Another piece that he passed on to us that I'm very grateful for is Jack Rich is the tortoise. You heard the story about the tortoise and the hare? He's the tortoise, man. That dude never made a ton of money, and he just always did this his whole life. And today he's retired. He's 87. He's retired, and he just lives fat. He's just done well. You know why? Because the tortoise wins every single time. And my father taught us that. They don't give rich quick schemes. Those don't really exist. You get up, you go to work, and the tortoise wins every time. And the other thing that, it's interesting because my, my thing my father would tell you, when we were really little kids, he wasn't following Jesus. But you know what he taught us to do? You get yourself to church. You go to church. And for all our life, that's what we've done. We followed Jesus. We went to church. And that, that's legacy. That's legacy. I'm not fighting a billion dollars. I'm not gonna fight that. But I'll tell you what's greater. We go to work. The tortoise always wins. And you know what else we do? We show up for church. We go to church. You know, it's, really, it's a hard one for me because now in the, in the days of, of online church, people say, well, you know, Neil, you don't have to go to church to be a follower of Jesus. I don't know. I'm not sure that's true. I mean, if you, live on a, if you were stranded on a desert island and you were the only one there and you followed Jesus there, but I'm saying it was so assumed that when you become a follower of Jesus, you'd be a part of the local church. 
I mean, I'm grateful for this, man. I'm grateful for those of you who are online this morning. You're sick, you know. We hope you get back. But some of you live in, in foreign places. We have people from foreign countries. We have people who live in different places across the country. That's great. But I would still say this. Find a local church and be a part of it. Be a part of the local church. That's a legacy you could leave. That's a, that's a legacy you could leave. I mean, I think we should start thinking about what legacy will I leave? What is it that I'm going to pass on? What am I going to give away? Now, you could be like me. You could be a man like me. We don't have children. We don't have children. I'm still hoping to pass something on. I'm still hoping to leave something. What's your legacy going to be? What legacy will you leave? What are you going to plant that people will look back and go, that's right, because the greatest legacy you could ever leave Parent or not, the greatest legacy you could ever leave, the greatest thing that you could ever pass on is some kind of marker, something where people would look and go, that's right, that's right. Our God is all powerful. That's right, I should fear the Lord. That's the greatest thing you can ever pass on. How will you do that? Well, that's the second level question. Because we asked what is a legacy, but second level question is, how do I leave one? Because first level questions are easy. That's what we do all the time. We just ask simple, easy questions. What's a legacy? Second level question, that's where things happen. Second level question says, well, how would I leave one? How do I leave a legacy? Now, well, here's what's beautiful about it. You don't have to guess. Because in this story, it appears so intentional the way that God put these stories together. Right? Because now the scripture goes on and it says, at that time. At what time? Oh, after, right after they crossed the Jordan River and right after they stacked up these rocks, right after it. It's in the context of that. It's in the context that over two million people of all ages, with their animals and all their belongings, stepped foot in, the ark led the way, they stepped foot in the river, it parted and it says they crossed on dry ground. Right after that, and right after they planted this, which would remind them of that, at that time, watch, this is all in context, chapter five, at that time the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gibeah Haroth. Wait a minute, what? That's how you folks celebrate? What? All of them, all of them. Some of these guys are 35 years old. I'm, I'm not trying to be crass. Think about it. That is what God is having them do right now. What's going on here? Why all of a sudden is there circumcision now? Why is it right after they crossed the Jordan River? Why is it after they made this neatly piled, you know, this interesting pile of rocks that would point them back to that? And now he's saying circumcise them. He's still talking about this legacy. It's in that same vein. This is what he's still talking about, Le legacy. How do I leave a legacy? Those who left Egypt, here's why. Those who left Egypt, they had all been circumcised. That's now 40 years ago. That generation that grew up in Egypt, that lived in Egypt, that lived under slavery, that lived under bondage, they'd all been circumcised. But none of those born after that exodus, after they left Egypt, after they crossed the Red Sea and were in the wilderness for 40 years, none of those folks had been circumcised. None of them during the years in the wilderness, they, none of them had been circumcised. That's weird. Because the marker for the Jewish people is circumcision. If you were born as a Jew, at eight days you were circumcised. 
I know we think, oh, it's just this thing we do in America. No, 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 no. This is a significant marker for Jews. And if you were somehow brought into the nation of Israel and you were 40 years old, the marker is there. You're now circumcised. Okay, why did they quit? Why weren't they circumcised anymore? Because they disobeyed the Lord. Because there's disobedience. Because they disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed he would not let them enter the land he had sworn to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. They weren't doing that anymore. See, so now get this. They have this most miraculous event. It shows the power of God, the power of God. And now not only that, but he says, you stack rocks to remind everything. Hey, Pop, what is that? I'm going to tell you what that is. The hand of our God is powerful. Our God should be feared forever. I'm pointing you in that direction. That's the legacy. That's the legacy. And then he says, right when they come out of that, it's immediately tied to that story. Circumcise them. You circumcise them because you all have been disobedient. What's he telling us? He's telling us the legacy is built on obedience. That's how you leave a legacy. You say, man, I sure like to leave a legacy. Maybe you got kids. Maybe you're here today. Maybe on Father's Day, you're a dad and you got kids and you want to pass something on to your kids. I hope you have $10 million that you, that you can leave to your kids and I hope your kids tithe. I, I dearly pray that, right? But I'm just saying, maybe that could happen for you, but probably for most not. I mean, if we had kids, we ain't leaving no $10 million. We're spending every penny. That's what we're doing. But I don't know. But what if you could leave something far greater? Because you can. Because you can leave them a legacy that points to the greatness of God, that points them to the power kid. It's the greatest thing. I still think of my father. I learned how to go to church. Maybe you start teaching your kids that. Hey, let me just tell you this very bluntly. In the age of sexual confusion that we live, maybe you could leave your kids a biblical view. Maybe you could leave them with that. And there's so much greater than cash that you can leave your kids. And if you're like us and you don't have kids, I still hope to leave something. I hope to pass something on. And so let me give you the big so what this morning, just so you know this. If you're new, the rest of the time you were paying attention, you, you wasted your time. You didn't have to. I just give you the punchline. Here it is. Legacy always starts today. This is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to know. I want you to know the legacy starts today, and here's why. Because we talk about this legacy thing, and some of you are going to literally say this. Neil, I'm 50 years old now. My life has been a train wreck. It's been a mess, man. I've been so sideways the whole time. It's been a whole mess. It's, it's too late for me to leave a legacy. I've screwed up so much. I've done so many horrific things. You know what I used to do? I used to go to church, and I used to follow Jesus. And then I got sidetracked, man. It just went wonky. And now I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. I'm 70 years old. It's too late for me to leave a legacy. I just can't do it anymore. About two years ago, we lost that big tree in our backyard. Two years ago, something like that. And it was one of those big trees. It's this big tree, and it just rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained. And pretty soon, the ground gets so, if you all have this, the ground gets so saturated, and the tree just goes, Right, like the whole roots just pull up, like the roots were almost above our head. Like the whole tree just blew over. And so we go back there and we're looking like, man, I don't know, should we plant another tree? How long are we gonna live here? You know how long it takes? It takes a tree 20 years to grow up. When you talk about trees, you know what they always say? You know what the best time to plant a tree is? 20 years ago. That's what they always say, best time to plant a tree, 20 years ago. You know what the second time, best time to plant a tree is? Today. You plant it today. Do you know when a legacy starts? Maybe it started 20 years ago. Maybe it started 30 years ago. You know when the second best time to start a legacy is? Right now. 
right now. Legacy always starts today. You say, oh man, Neil, I'm in such a train wreck. Doesn't matter. Legacy always starts today. We think of the Old Testament. We think when the Israelites settled in the land and the land was getting divvied up and Joshua was passing out land and giving different land to different people. Caleb was one of the original spies. Remember this? 40 years ago, Caleb was one of the original spies who said, we ought to go into the land. There were 12 spies. Two of them said, I believe God is with us. Let's do it. And 10 of them chickened out and the whole, na the whole nation went into the wilderness for 40 years and wandered in disobedience for 40 years. They were punished for their disobedience. And now they're in the land and now it's getting divvied up. And Caleb is now 85 years old. And when they're, when they're splitting up the land and Joshua's giving it out, Caleb goes right to him and he goes, hey, you remember me? I was one of the original spies with you. You and I, we were the original spies. You're divvying up the land. Don't you give me any of that sissy land in the lowlands. Don't you give me that. You give me that rough, I wanna fight the Anakites. I wanna fight, I, wanna, I want Hebron. I, I'll, I'll take the battle right now. I'm 85 years old and I am good to go, brother. And he gave him the land. And he conquered the land. I don't care if you're 85 years old. You know why? Because legacy always starts today, right now. And you may be younger and you're like, dude, I'm, I'm too young to be starting a legacy. Listen to me, Paul had a very young disciple and his name was Timothy. And Paul brought him up in the faith. And Paul specifically wrote to him in 1 Timothy. Paul wrote to Timothy and he says, hey, don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth. And I'm saying if you're a student here today, if we had kids from Kids Church, if they were back in here, I would tell them now, you're 10 years old, your legacy starts today. You know why? Because legacy always starts today. You're 16 years old, guess what? Legacy starts today. You know why? Because legacy always starts today. You're 80 years old and you've made a mess of your life, gone. The best time to plant a legacy is maybe 20, 30 years ago, the second best time, right now. Legacy always starts today. And I'm saying this is the greatest legacy we can possibly live. And you leave legacy by living a life of obedience. It's integrity. Man, you say you're, man, I, I love watching you get baptized today, brother, because you say you're a follower of Jesus, boom. There's integrity. Your life lined up with what you say. I call myself a follower of Jesus. Am I? Am I at the grocery store? Or am I acting like some kind of idiot? Am I a follower of Jesus everywhere I go? Because obedience is how you leave legacy, and legacy always starts today. I want to do this just in honor of Father's Day. If you're a male in the room, anywhere in the room, if you're a male in the room, and you're 16 or older, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. If you're 16 or older and you're a male, just stand up. And now our ushers are coming down the aisle. Just stay up. Just stay up. Our ushers are coming down the aisle and they're handing out cards. They're handing out cards. And our comm team, they've made up these cards and I love these. And you're gonna get one of these, so stay on your feet. And even after you get one of these, just stay on your feet. Right, they'll get to y'all. And this card says this on the front, it's like a credit card. And it says, legacy always starts today. It's a reminder for us. You know when legacy starts? Today. Maybe you've been killing it for the last 30 years. You know what? You can stop and you can kill your legacy. So you know when it really starts? Today. And then in the back of this, there's a prayer. And I'm hoping you'll put this in your wallet. I'm, you're like me, you don't carry a wallet. I just throw a few cards and a little cash in my pocket. 
And there's a prayer on it, and it says this, God, I thank you that you are my rock and my foundation. I thank you that you were always faithful. I ask you to give me vision and hope for the future. And then it says, today, because legacy always starts today. Today, guide my thoughts, my words, my actions to create the legacy that God desires. Because you know how we create legacy? We walk in obedience. We live in obedience. We live lives of integrity that match up with the words we say. I'm a follower of Jesus. This ought to point the way. And so if you're 16 or older, you should get one of these. If you don't, they'll be at the, we'll, have them, we'll put them all at the info booth after the service and you can get with there. But I wanna pray for you specifically this morning. And I'm gonna ask you just to hold your hands like this. It just signifies, I'm receiving this. I'm receiving this, I'm receiving this. So Father God, I pray over these men right now. I pray over these men right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray as, I, as we think of Father's Day, would you work in the hearts of these men to live lives of obedience, to live lives of godly integrity. God, that you were empowered them by your spirit to live lives that look like followers of Jesus. God, would you give them vision and hope for the future? Would you strengthen them? Would you empower them? God, would they leave a legacy? Would they live lives that point to the greatness of our God. Would you empower them? Would you equip them? Would you strengthen them today? Would you embolden them today? Father, children and no children, would they leave a legacy? And we're specifically asking God that this legacy would point to you, Heavenly Father, that it would point to you. 